Hello everyone, this is Hannah, your host, and you are listening to the Success is Routine podcast. Our show is on a mission to talk to leaders in life and business that have achieved success and to learn what their routine is. If you are ready to create your routine to success, you're in the right place. Now, let's get started. Welcome back, everybody, to the Success is Routine podcast. I am so excited to have Andrew McConnell here with us today. He is the founder of Rented.com, a Wall Street Journal bestselling author of Get Out of My Head and Keynote Speaker. And I'm super excited to talk to him about his routine because he is also on the Inc. 500 list and of how he's achieved that success and how the routine has played a role in it. So thank you, Andrew, for joining us. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Hannah. Great to be here. Awesome. And I know we talked a little bit um, previously, and you mentioned how like swimming was like a big part of your routine, but also just kind of like how I got started. So tell me a little bit about your story and, you know, at what point did routine kind of start coming into your life and was it always something you had? Yeah. So I, I grew up and a lot of people who are very, very serious in swimming get really young. I think my wife was, you know, before she was 10, whereas for me, it was more kind of eighth grade. I was 13, 14 when I really okay. started getting serious in swimming, started doing doubles and morning practices. Mm-hmm. And what that did, I think, served in a couple of different ways. So one, the habit of getting up early, trying mm-hmm. to go to bed earlier than maybe some of my peers would do, uh, which when you're no longer swimming and you're up earlier, it gives you all this extra time where you're not bothered and you can get things done at a different rate than anyone else. But the other piece it gave uh, well, kind of twofold is you were compressed on time because you had so much practice. Most sports, they have a season and they have an off season. And in college sports, a lot of times they'll say the athletes have better grades in season than off season, because when they're in season, they have so little extra time that they have to be really diligent on their schedule, on getting their work done making sure it gets done. When they have all this extra time, they play video games, they go out more, and they actually end up doing less work because they have more time to do it. It's this funny dichotomy. And so with swimming, we never really had an off season. So we were always used to this routine of compressed time and of being tired. So we had to be really efficient, really efficient because we had little time and really efficient because we were very tired because we always had really, really early morning practice. And I think those end up being kind of a cheat code later in life of if you're getting up two hours before everybody else, you're going to be more productive, right? Mm-hmm. Other people that are staying up late, those typically aren't productive hours for people. They're watching Netflix. They're having an extra glass of wine. That They're not getting stuff done mm-hmm. um, that's adding to their life. Whereas if you have those two hours in the morning, that's your, your life is just bigger than mm-hmm. other people. Uh, and, and if you're used to having compressed time and building a routine of efficiency and structure, that is the second piece that just really carries over. So I, I think my my background, you know, swimming uh, D1 All-American, being on the U.S. national team for, for swimming, like it, it just it carried over. I was mm-hmm. back for a, an alumni swim meet just this past weekend, actually. Uh, and while we still talk of ourselves as over swimmers or we were swimmers, it was half a life ago. We, we walked across the bridge to practice at five in the morning, half a life ago, because mm-hmm. we're now all in our forties. Uh, but it's still something we really all carry with us. Yeah, no, that's so interesting too. Cause I know, if, so you said that you didn't get into swimming until about eighth grade. Right. And so did you have like a routine before that was like, did you see your family? Did they like kind of have a routine 
that helped you be able to say, hey, let's go get up every morning at 4 a.m. to start swimming that helped you bridge into that routine? No, I mean, both my parents were physicians and I, mm-hmm. I was born when they were in med school. And so they were compressed on time as well, okay. uh, but took things very seriously. So they took us having something hot to have for breakfast. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. just cereal. It wasn't just a pop tart that was cold. Like it, it really cooked breakfast as a family together every morning, us mm-hmm. sitting down together as a family for dinner every evening. Mm-hmm. And that actually was uh, something that got in the way of us doing swimming. When my sister wanted to do it before saying, oh, that swim practice is during our dinner time. And we have dinner as a family. That's Mm -hmm. not a commitment that's going to work. And and so that kind of bookended the days, but without the other things taking my time, school Mm -hmm. was relatively easy. It didn't take a ton of time. And I think I wasn't great shape. I wasn't super healthy. I didn't eat healthy uh, at that time in my life. And so, no, I, I don't, I think it was swimming that really helped create that framework. And it could be any kind of sport. It could be uh, an instrument that you get very serious and you have that structure. For me, it just happened to be swimming. And so I got those ancillary benefits from that particular sport. Awesome. And then, so, okay, so you, you're doing swimming and then you stop. So how is that transition out of like not getting up every morning to swim? Or do you still get up every morning to go swim? Yeah, I, I now in transparency, we live in Bermuda. My yeah. back stairs go into the ocean and I have not been on the island where I have not swum in the ocean any single day. Mm-hmm. Now, some days it's kind of dangerous because there are hurricanes and I've yeah. been really cut up and bloody. Uh, and so oh. maybe that's not a thing I continue to do. But on principle, I've gotten in the ocean to swim every single day. And some days longer swims than others. You may go 8K versus just do 800 meters, mm-hmm. wildly different. But it is something I do every day in terms of whether I'm near a swimming pool, near an ocean or not, getting up is something I do every day. So it, I, it was for a time on work days, like this is my routine. I, I get up, I don't mm-hmm. set an alarm. I just naturally wake up between kind of 515, 527. So when I get up, I'll go, I'll do some uh, movement, some activity. So I have these mm-hmm. kind of hip exercises, leg exercises that help me in my low back anyway. And it helps me get the blood flowing, uh, do a little Mandarin on Duolingo to get my mind going. And then I'll sit and meditate for 20 minutes. Uh, And then I go do a little journaling and then typically try to, at that point, once I've gotten through some things, get some emails done before uh, my daughter comes through. So is there anything I need to triage before I jump in to doing her breakfast, her lunch uh, and getting her to school? And so that's a a typical work day. But then I, I learned on sleeping, you're much better off not building this deficit during the week and having these wildly variant, you're, you're basically jet lagging yourself if you have totally different bedtimes, wake times on the weekend. So I've been mm-hmm. much better at trying to have the same bedtime, wake time, even on the weekends mm-hmm. uh, and being consistent on that, which is absolutely fantastic, right? You get all this extra time and my daughter loves to get up early on the weekend too, right? She doesn't treat them separate school day versus not. Mm-hmm. And so we get a lot of time together. She's six years old and we get a, a bunch of play time. So- wow. Yeah. I love that. Um, uh, one question before we jump fully into the routine, and you mentioned a lot of it there. Um, so going from no routine, you know, like, other than just having the morning breakfast with the family, dinner at night with the family, was it hard to switch into that routine or was there yeah. something that kind of triggered it to help you? Yeah. I mean, at that age, right? Like it, it may seem later at 13 than mm-hmm. others, but so much is changing, right? Your Your routine is what 
a lot of times adults are saying or school is saying. So my routine when I show up at school each year would change of Mm -hmm. fifth grade, you're in the same classroom all day. And then sixth grade, Mm -hmm. oh, you go here between these different subjects and Mm -hmm. seventh grade, you have different teachers, eighth grade. So I think there was some malleability and openness of, hey, this just changes. Like when I go to high school, Mm -hmm. I'm going to have a different routine. And then there's certain bookends to it that put some structure there Mm -hmm. of, okay, here's when we get up and have breakfast. Here's when we have dinner. Uh, as a family and then, you know, work and playtime kind of fit around school and those pieces. So you had these open pieces Mm -hmm. and what swimming did was just compress that quote free time. It put more firm blocks that you are working around. Mm -hmm. And I think similar to what they say about uh, college athletes and the better grades, the less of that floating time that you have, Mm -hmm. the more structured and focused you tend to be. Now you still need some floating time. You don't want every single minute of your day accounted for, Mm -hmm. but if you have too much, you waste it, right? Yeah, no, Uh, definitely. I think that makes sense where you're transitioning already. And so creating those boundaries was an easier thing to do than maybe, you know, just having so much freedom and then being struck down. (laughs) Now we have to wake up every morning. So right. Uh, no, I love that. And then, so let's talk about the routine. And I know we talked about uh, before how there's like those two two core elements of your routine. So you have your morning and then you have like the zero-based design that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. So share a little bit um, or a lot of it really about your routine and yeah. how it works for you every day. Yeah. So the the tactical morning routine, I, I think we covered, right? Like wake mm-hmm. up at this time and, and kind of tick through these things before yeah. the day gets started. Now that isn't static. And and I think that's where the zero-based routine comes Mm -hmm. into play, right? Mandarin, I only started three years ago Mm because my daughter was studying Mandarin and she barely spoke English. So it was hard to tell if she's speaking gibberish or she's speaking Mandarin. It'd be helpful if I actually knew what she was saying. Mm -hmm. So let me go learn it. Um, The the hip exercises, the low back thing, so those are maybe 12 to 18 months old, right? That's Mm -hmm. not a thing that's always been there. It may have been different movement Mm -hmm. before. And so when you talk about the the zero base design, my routine of developing a routine is malleable. So one thing that my routine is, is to assess what is my calendar? What is my routine? What is the right answer for me at this season of life and season of the year? So on a quarterly basis, my routine is to go in and do this zero base budgeting of my time mm-hmm. saying, what is it I want to get done over this period of time? Given that, how much time is going to work? How much time is going to family? How much time is going to friends or travel or these other pieces, right? You fill it in. And then making sure that adds up, right? Is it the right number of weeks in the month? Is it the right number of hours in the week uh, to get there? And then backing from there, going to the the work bucket, and I do a, a deep dive, double click there. Okay. It's one thing to quote work 10 hours a day, but what are you doing each of those hours? So how many hours a week do you need to have with your direct reports? How many hours a week do you need to have with people who are not your direct reports for skip level meetings? How many hours for client meetings? How many hours doing real work? How many hours learning, reading about what's happening in your industry or the world at large? That's part of work, right? Like you need to learn, you need to grow. How much time towards writing, whether it's blogs or books or whatever it is that you want to carve that out. And building my calendar budget from the Mm -hmm. ground up to design what I want. Uh, And then that informs what my routine will be. 
of, okay, I know I want to exercise this much time per week. Let me get it on the calendar. These are firm blocks that I work around as opposed mm-hmm. to the other way around of, hey, I'd really like to work out, but I don't have the time. Well, you all started with the same 24 hours. You decided how you wanted to budget that time. And if you didn't decide, then someone else did without thinking about you. They just filled your time. And then you're you're renting your own life back from other people. So really taking that time of owning your calendar, which is owning your time, which is owning your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never heard it called a calendar budget before. I think that <laughs> was an amazing way to look at it because everybody knows what a budget is. And they know that they need to manage their money, but I don't think people look at time that way. And so I think that's like a huge like shift there on how you look at your time. Yeah, because it, it's finite. Money, you can go make more money. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. You can take another job, you can build another skill set, get a different career. There are all sorts of ways you can make more money. You can decrease your cost to have mm-hmm. more flexible, flexible money to have, but you cannot create more hours in a day. Jeff Bezos gets the same 24 hours you and I get. It's how you choose to allocate those. And most people don't choose how to allocate those. Mm -hmm. They default to whatever's left. Hey, I really wanted to exercise, but I sat down last night to watch 30 minutes of Netflix and four and a half hours later, I'm going to bed at one 30 because it was on autoplay. Okay. Well, you just let someone else take over your life. You let Reed Hastings and the Netflix algorithm just take over your life. Is, is that really how you want to live? Uh, and you don't, you can't earn more of those hours. Mm-hmm. You have that's all you had. So you need to be, if anything, more diligent with your time budget than your financial budget because you can go make more money. You can't make more time. It doesn't exist. Yeah, and you mentioned earlier how you know you shouldn't have all of your time planned out either. So how does somebody create that balance of, you know, making sure they have that structure? Like how much time do you schedule into your, yeah. your calendar of, Hey, this is kind of flexible free time. Yeah. That was, that was a lesson for me, uh, quite honestly, because I used to budget to hundred mm-hmm. percent. And the reality is there's sometimes that a certain chunk will mm-hmm. flex up and really do things flex down. There's certain times, right? Just sold my company last week. There's certain things at work that were definitely flexing up. And when you budgeted to 100%, like I said, you don't get more hours in the day. Mm-hmm. So then you have to start stealing from other parts of your budget. So maybe you're sleeping less and you're less effective. And it, it's this whole cascading thing of everything mm-hmm. now is done worse and takes more time because you're sleep deprived, which makes you more sleep deprived because you need to spend more time doing things less well. Or you steal it from your family. And then you resent it and it's all terrible. Um, and so what I now budget to is kind of 85 to 90% mm-hmm. of saying, hey, here's what capacity is. I'm only going to budget to 85 to 90% because other things will flex in. And even in that 85 to 90%, there's there's flex time of, okay, there mm-hmm. needs to be commuting to this. Okay, I actually need 10 minutes between each meeting instead of just going back to back to back because... I have to go to the bathroom. I'm still a human being. <laughs> I, I need time to just catch a breather before I jump into the headspace of the next meeting. And so being more deliberate, one, on the the flex uh, mm-hmm. and cushion between things within the day, as well as in the total budget, not going up to that 100% so that when things do flex, I have space for it. And when things don't, you have that 
breathing room to when creative thinking really takes off. It's mm-hmm. when you have that space, it your mind can wonder and you come up with new ideas for new companies or new ideas for books or whatever it is. No, I love that. Um, <clears throat> so I know probably people listening are like, okay, what time do you go to sleep? Like how much do you dedicate to sleeping? I feel like that's yeah. a huge thing. Yeah, it's uh, I, I try eight hours. So at 9.30 to 5.30 is my bread and butter. All right. And yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I, yeah. I mean, my wife's like, that's so sad. You go to bed so early. This and the other I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. It's not sad to me. Like, I really like my life. I really like how I feel. I like everything I'm getting done. I after 9.30, what are people doing anyway? Like you're it's a typical night. You're watching TV. I'm like, I just don't care that much about TV. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't need more time to watch TV. Um or going out and partying, like, yeah, there'll, there'll be times, like, I'm not going to be rigorous of, hey, I haven't seen these people in years, and nope, I can't possibly stay out till 1030 or whatever. Uh, there are times that, again, there's that cushion and give, but my bread and butter is 930 to 530. All right. Awesome. No, I love that. Um, I'm assuming I like to go to bed at, like, I'm in bed by nine o'clock usually, yeah. and, like, asleep between nine and 10. <laughs> yeah. like, um, and it's crazy to think, because as children, like, staying up late was like the coolest thing ever. And as adults, I'm like, please no, let me go. Right. Right. <laughs> no. It carries um, over in so much else. Yeah, it, do- it does. It carries over to everything, getting up early, creating that routine. I really like how you mentioned how like you stick to this routine through the weekends too. Um, it's something I want to work better at is sticking to the weekends too. Cause in my head, like it was always, Oh, it's the weekend. But as an adult, I'm like, is it really like, we don't go to school. We don't, because <laughs> it's right. not a weekend. <laughs> like, um, but I want to ask, so if somebody is, you know, never budgeted their time, you know, yeah. never even time blocked their time, what is a way that they can start creating that calendar budget to be like, you know, flexible for them yeah. where it's not so strict that they just like fall off of it in a week? Yeah. So, I mean, one thing on, on my website, mandrewmcconnell.com, there's a free downloadable PDF with all the tools and exercises from the book, this is one of them. And so if anybody wants the actual worksheets behind this and and the steps through, that's totally free, downloadable on the website. But the the starting place really is to roll back and say, how do you want to live your life? Like, and don't don't say it of, hey, when I retire, it'd be so great to have this. And so I'm gonna just mortgage the next 50 years of my life because I'll be happy these last five or 10. Right. Like, is that, is that the way to live? No. How, what is the day need to look like to make you happy? What, what are you doing in that day? Where is your time in your life? And start with the big buckets of family, friends, work, sleep, exercise, eating, you know, what are the things that fill up that day that make this a great day? Mm -hmm. You know, just starting on the day basis. And then how much time for each of those things? Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, so I start with that as the big buckets. Then you have to add them up. Okay. Yeah. If I said I want to sleep eight hours and I want this much at work and then they're not 27 hours in the day. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me figure out where three hours are going to come from. I'm going to have to cut some things and, and adjust and give more here and less here. And that's, that's a starting point. And then whatever area of your life, it, you, I work is the one where I do the deep dive and the exercise in the book, but it, it applies to any other area of your life. You say, okay, family time. Okay, what does family time mean? Mm-hmm. Is it, I'm going to have this much time taking my kids to events and coaching their sports teams? Yeah, you can double click on what each of those are on volunteering at their school, on one-on-one time with each of my kids. I have three kids, say, and I want 
X number of hours one-on-one per month with each. And then how do I do that and work around from there? Mm-hmm. Um, but don't, this is why I call it zero base calendaring. So mm-hmm. often people start with, okay, here's what it looks like today. Here's how I want to change it. Mm-hmm. But how it is today doesn't need to be, have any resemblance to how it is in the future. Yeah. You, if you didn't proactively design today in the first place, then it's mindlessly designed by other people around you. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to go through the exercise, go from starting from zero. If you were building your ideal life, what does that look like? And that's not to say tomorrow you're going to get there or next week you're going to get there, but you at least have a template of, okay, here's what I want to work towards. And as I'm doing it, as I'm tracking it, where am I not meeting that? And what do I need to change? So one of the mm-hmm. things I do in my calendar every single quarter is keep 30 minutes on Fridays where I look at my calendar for the next week to say, okay, here's where I said I wanted to put my time, my head, my life for the next quarter. Does next week look like what I said my ideal week would look like? Mm-hmm. And if not, is there a good reason? Oh, I'm traveling. I'm not actually with family. So I can take all this family time that I had then and put it towards work. And maybe I'll catch up on family time when I get back or whatever that looks like. Um, or wait, I've had a couple of weeks in a row where it doesn't look like the calendar that I mm-hmm. said I wanted to look like has something changed. Mm-hmm. Do I actually need to go through the exercise of restarting what my zero based calendar should be? Or do I just need to be better at saying no and moving meetings? Um, mm-hmm. And so that that's a, a separate routine, the routine of assessing the routine. Yeah. yeah. Um, and a question that comes up to my, to my mind right now, and I, I love how you're looking at it is like, you know, this is how it should be every week, but there's flexibility where you're traveling, stuff like that. And so a lot of people starting out, maybe they've let so many people control what their days look like already. How do they start creating those boundaries with people like, hey, actually, this is my time to be with family, so I can't actually work right now. So. Yeah, I mean... Maybe, maybe this is coming from a privileged position, right? Like I, I've owned my own company for the past 10 years. I, I just sold it. So now I'm working for somebody <laughs> else. So we'll see how this all works out. Yeah. Um, but how are they getting access to you and your time, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, between 5.45 and 7.15, no one can get a hold of me even if they wanted to, right? Mm-hmm. My, my phone's off and it's a different room. I'm not on my computer. So people in try to interrupt my family time, but they don't have a way to actually do that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't give them the ability to do that. And, and so if it's true that you want these boundaries, you're the one that decides what gates you leave open, what doors you leave open for people to break those boundaries in the first place. You decide mm-hmm. how permeable or not they are. I haven't I haven't actually ever done this, um, but I, I'm going on my first family vacation in a long time over mm-hmm. Christmas. And I really want to do it. But this person, I can't even remember who did it, but I love the idea. Puts it out of office on, says, I'm out of the office from this date to this date. Mm-hmm. If it's an emergency, here's who to contact. And if it's truly an emergency, like this is my first vacation, blah, blah, blah. Here's my phone number. Call me. Mm-hmm. If this is an email, just know that any email sent between this date and this date, I'm deleting when I return. Mm-hmm. If it's still relevant and you need me to deal with it, then send another email after this date and I'll read that. So you don't come back to 8,000 emails waiting for you. You're like, nope, this date to this date, delete all. I told you I was going to do it. It's done. Yeah. Um, 
again, I haven't, haven't yet no. done that myself, but <laughs> I'm planning to try it. We'll see. Yeah, no, I like that. Um, but I think it's really good. And I think a lot of people, you know, especially, if, you know, somebody that could be listening right now, I don't think they realize they have that power to turn their phone off to say, Hey, I am not available to you right now. Um, because I think we live in this on demand world where yeah. like, if somebody doesn't reply back to you within 10 minutes, Oh my goodness. Like they don't care about what I said. They're not there. And so being okay with like, I, right now my phone is upside down. And as soon as I turn my phone upside down, it silences everything. Yeah. I don't get a notification until it flips back over. And so I'm, I'm, very much like you in my morning, my phone's in another room and I don't touch it until eight o'clock. And that's when my day starts. Yeah. Um, so I love that um, you mentioned that just like that power that you, we all have. And I think sometimes we don't realize we have it. Yeah. I mean, it's it, our smartphones are these incredible tools that create efficiencies, our ability to do so much else, right? Like, hey, we actually can work from anywhere now because we have this and we have this ability to go. But that also means we do work from everywhere mm -hmm. and we end up working for the technology instead of the technology being a tool that we use and realizing where that power is. I mean, when I first started my career at McKinsey, it was pre-iPhone and it was Blackberry and you had these bl uh, red blinking lights when you had your email yeah. and it was so stressful. It was awful. I messed up my sleep, all this. And then I learned you can turn the light off. <laughs> it was game changing. Like mm -hmm. I didn't have to think about it. Unless I wanted to go pick up the phone and look at it. Now, there's a separate thing of, and this is why it's in a separate room. When it is near you, I mean, there's studies on this of just being in the same room as you, mm -hmm. IQ goes down. Mm -hmm. Literal IQ on test. If your phone's in the room with you versus not, it goes down. We are less smart when our devices are near us. So we become this kind of slave to the device as mm -hmm. opposed to, hey, here's how I want to use it. Here's when I don't want to use it, when I don't want to be available. Mm -hmm. And there's certain things like if you're a physician and you're on call, you don't get that. Yeah. Like you've, you've set those boundaries of right now. I don't have any, I am on call. I'm getting a call anytime. If you are in a war zone and you are having to deal with stuff, like it's a different situation. Most mm -hmm. of us are not EMTs actively uh, yeah. working at a given moment. Like an EMT can be off as well and not available. You decide mm -hmm. what you're doing. Uh, and few people actually take advantage of that. Yeah, no, I agree. Love it. Uh, let's talk about your success though. Cause I know we're um, close to wrapping up here. So how do you define success and how do you relate that success back to your routine? Yeah. So for me, success is living the life that I want to live now, right? It, it's, there's the hedonic treadmill of, Hey, we think when we get X, we're going to be happy when we get to this age or we graduate from school or we get this amount of money or buy this car, whatever it is. And how human psychology is, is we get that immediate dopamine hit. And then we have the fall off that is commiserate with how high that hit is and longer. And then we just balance back to where we started. So that brand new car feels great for the first week, maybe the first month. And then it's just routine and you see the next car and you really want that. And so I, I don't define success, not just on material things, but even on accolades or, or labels or anything like that, because it, it doesn't like it doesn't, it's never going to feel like success because then there's always the next thing you want. So success is for me, my life success is, Hey, am I living the life I want to live? Am I getting fulfillment and joy uh, and impact and living a life of purpose? And mm -hmm. that is what success is. 
Yeah. No, I, I completely agree because we can always get more money. We can always try to get the next accolade or, you know, the next business, the next thing. Um, but true success is, are you happy? <laughs> like, Fulfilled or, or, or yeah. living a life of purpose. Like it, it is dependent on what for you it is I, in my mind. And for me, it's is each day. Hey, was today a great day? Mm-hmm. Was if I woke up knowing I'm going to do this tomorrow, would I be happy about that? Yeah, That is success. Am I living a life that I want to live? Awesome. So I have two more questions for you. So the first one is like, if they, somebody's listening to this and they're like, okay, I need to start this zero-based design life. I need to create this routine in my life um, so that I can have the life I want to live. What's that one thing they need to start doing tomorrow to create that life they want to live? Yeah, I I think being thoughtful about it, right? If Mm -hmm. you want to live the life you want to live as opposed Mm -hmm. to one that other people designed for you that they, by the way, they didn't design. It just fell into what it is. Then you have to know what that design is, what it is that you actually want. So there are few people who proactively design it and fewer people who think about what do I actually want? So many other people, so many people think about, oh, what I don't want. Hey, here's everything I hate about my life right now. Or it's going to be great when all these things go away or all this stuff's different. Just again, erase all that. Erase the context of today and tomorrow. What is it that you want? Just start from that. Start from that exercise. And then you can start filling in the pieces from there to start working towards it. But you don't know even what to work towards until you know what it is. Awesome. And question number two. is what book would you recommend somebody go and read right now? And then I guess three questions. And then tell me about your book as well. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, the most recent book that I just think, well, can I give two books? Yeah. yeah. So (laughs) now, now just because the world cup's going on um, Mm -hmm. a book from a Uruguayan writer, I just read that's absolutely phenomenal about the the sport of football slash soccer is Mm -hmm. soccer in the sun and shadow. And it's all mm-hmm. these little vignettes of the the sport and World Cups and everything. So that's kind of a fun book. Um, in terms of finding that life of purpose, living that life of purpose, Arthur C. Brooks's new book, From Strength to Strength, mm-hmm. is magnificent. It is just such a great book. Uh, in fact, when I was back this, this weekend, I was in the bookstore uh, to, to sign books. And I saw it on the way out and I just bought it for the guy with me. I was like, no, this is so good. I, I, you're getting this. I'm buying it right now for you. Um, I, I just think it's a great book. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And then tell me about Get Out of My Head, um, the book that you wrote. Yeah. So this is a book that it takes this concept of treating our mind like real estate. So like we talked about uh we're, we're tight-fisted with money. We're tight-fisted with our material things, but we give away our time. We let other people design our time mm-hmm. and our lives, and that's where our mind goes. And yet that's the one finite resource. The one asset we can actually own is our mm-hmm. mind. Physical goods, they break. They can be stolen. Our body can get sick. We can't control if a virus gets in. But our mind's the one thing we own, and yet we default to renting the pieces back. We give it away to social media. We give it away to Netflix and autoplay feature. We give it away to the news cycle. We give it away when we're laying in bed. We say, hey, I want to sleep, but I can't stop thinking about what my boss said yesterday. Um, Mm -hmm. We live our lives as renters of our own mind and get out of my head, gets into why scientifically is that the human default? If this is misery, 
why in the world is it what everybody does? Uh, and it gets into to that. And then also, more importantly, the remedies of here's what to do about it. Here's how to stop running to other people. Here's how to stop running to events and circumstances outside of your control. Here's to how to stop running uh, to and from different and imagined versions of yourself so that you are truly the owner of your mind, the you of now, which is the only you that exists. And it has illustrations uh, from really high-performing people, Navy SEALs, founder of DocuSign, social activists, artists, musicians, all over the board. And then it has each chapter, because it's one thing to know and feel good of like, oh, this is great. Uh, but the more important thing is, are you actually going to do something differently? Is your life going to be different as a result? So every chapter has exercises and worksheets and tools to how do you go put this into practice? How do you actually make tomorrow different from today so that you have that ownership for life and maintain that ownership? And so that that's the, the book. All right. Awesome. We will put um, the book and also your website in the show notes, as well as the email that we send out. So everybody that's listening, make sure you go and look at the show notes so you can actually go to his website, get the book, get out of my head and learn how to make your mind yours and stop renting it out to everybody else. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much, Andrew, for joining me today. Um, it's been great. Thanks so much, Hannah. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to Success is Routine podcast. If you found value in this episode, share it with a friend. Episodes go live weekly on Sunday at 8 a.m. Start your week with the right routine. Like, follow, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you're listening. Join the Success is Routine movement and get exclusive downloads and content from the guests. Go to www.successisroutine.com and follow the conversation there or on social media. Until next time, remember. Yeah, I'd really like to work out, but I don't have the time. Well, you all started with the same 24 hours. You decided how you wanted to budget that time. And if you didn't decide, then someone else did without thinking about you. They just filled your time. And then you're, you're renting your own life back from other people. Money, you can go make more money. That's the thing. You can take another job. You can build another skill set, get a different career. There are all sorts of ways you can make money. You can decrease your costs to have more flexibility, flexible money to have. But you cannot create more hours in a day. Jeff, you're the one that decides what gates you leave open, what doors you leave open for people to break those boundaries in the first place. You decide how permeable or not they are. Literal IQ on test. If your phone's in the room with you versus not, it goes down. We are less smart when our devices are near us. If you want to live the life you want to live, as opposed to one that other people designed for you, that they, by the way, they didn't design, it just fell into what it is, then you have to know what that design is, what it is that you actually want. So there are few people who proactively design it and fewer people who think about what do I actually want? So many other people, so many people think about, oh, what I don't want. Hey, here's everything I hate about my life right now. Or it's going to be great when all these things go away or all this stuff's different. Just, again, erase all that. Erase the context of today and tomorrow. What is it that you want? Just start from that. Start from that exercise. And then you can start filling in the pieces from there to start working towards it. But you don't know even what to work towards until you know what it is. <laughs>